Good morning. Good morning to everyone here. Good morning to wherever you're watching this morning. We're going to jump into this passage. We're going to wrestle with this passage. So if you're at home, grab your Bibles out, grab your phone up, whatever it is. We're going to have a look at some of these verses. I really want us to wrestle this morning. And if you're here, I hope you can do that too. So pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we look at these verses today, we ask for your spirit. Father, I pray that you would really help us to wrestle with them. I really pray, Lord, that these verses uh, that we hear this morning would really just resonate and stay in our hearts this week and for the months to come and really challenge us, Lord, as to how to uh, let them play out in our lives. Uh, So bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want us to jump into a time machine. Maybe it's the DeLorean or whatever your time machine is. But I want to take us back to the very first century, Uh, maybe around AD 49, maybe around when the book of Hebrews was written. I want to imagine, you to imagine, that you are, you're a member of the society, uh, you're part of the empire of Rome. Uh, Rome is a place where uh, all gods are worshipped, worshipping multiple gods is important as paying your taxes. But you are Jewish, And you've come from a Jewish family, you love God, you have known Yahweh your entire life, you do everything you can to honour the Lord, and all your life you've grown up, you've you've attended uh, gatherings, you have kept festivals, Uh, even every year, uh, you've a couple of times had the privilege of going to Jerusalem, and even seeing uh, sacrifices, Uh, and you have grown up depending on this Jewish way of life, depending on this covenant uh, of being right with God through following God's law. You're God's chosen person. That's how you've grown up. But a few years ago, you came in touch with people who followed something called the way. And you heard a message of grace. You heard about these people and you came to know these people who followed Jesus. And these people who followed Jesus were full of love, and you noticed how weird they were. They were uh, looking after the poor, they were doing these things, but they shared this message of grace. They shared that it's not through following the sacrifices, keeping the laws, that makes you right with God. They shared with you that what makes you right with God is what Jesus Christ, this man who lived not too long ago, did on the cross. That he took the sacrifice for sins. He did everything that was necessary. And when you heard that message, it touched your heart. It blew you away. And you began to be part of that community. You got involved in that community. Uh, You would uh, become more and more involved in that community. You would help the poor. You would visit those in prison. You You would be happy to share and tell others about your faith and what Jesus has done. But as you did that, you got persecuted for it. Uh, You were insulted publicly, uh, you were physically beaten, but you didn't mind. You had your property confiscated. Uh, Hebrews, the passage we looked at, just picks up on this. Look at uh, verse 32 and 30 uh, to 34. Think of what this would be like if this was you. Remember those early days after you'd received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly, publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew yourselves 
had better and lasting possessions. That was you. You were so enthusiastic in your faith. You went through all these things. You suffered for your faith. But that was 10 years ago. And now, 10 years later, you're a bit tired. Things are getting harder. You're actually starting to think, do I still trust in the way that I did? I'm not as enthusiastic. You know, maybe that uh, fight and uh, the persecution, it's weighed you down. It's torn at you slowly. Maybe your view of God has changed. Maybe you look back at your younger days and think, was I naive? Was I, was I, did I, was I too enthusiastic? And you're feeling pressure now because there's pressure on you from everyone around you. The government is now doing persecution and they're encouraging you to give up on your faith. Go back to the old ways of doing things. Go back to traditional Judaism. Go back to following the law. There's pressure from your friends and family, some who've even renounced their faith. And there's also pressure from deep within you because you're wondering, can I go on? Is it worth it? That's the context of Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews, God is speaking to people who are considering letting it all go, saying it's too hard, they've gone through so much, they're willing to give up. And they're thinking, maybe I go back to the way things were before. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like it's just too much? Maybe it'd be easier just to go back to the way things were before. I don't know if you look back on times in your life. Think about when was the time that you felt most close to God? When was that time? Maybe it's right now. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it's when you first heard the message. Maybe it was when you went to a camp or a mission trip or something like that. And it was God was so in your heart. Does that seem like a long time ago? Does that seem like a foreign world? Do you ever look back and long for that? Or do you look back and go, yeah, maybe I was a bit enthusiastic? Because I think at the moment we're going through these COVID times, aren't we? And it's the great disruptor of our time. It honestly is. Does it make looking back to that world seem a little bit more foreign? Does going through this time make you doubt God in maybe ways that you haven't before? Is this the sort of time when you look and go, you know what, maybe it would be easier to go back to the way things were before. Maybe you're not finding the space for God like you did. You're not rejecting God, but maybe you're just not finding the space. Are you feeling some temptation from outside, but even within, to say, you know what, God, It'd be e- it was easier before. Is there some part of you to say, I'm going to let certain parts of my life go back to the way things were before Christ? Because this is what's happening to the Hebrew Christians. Because uh, the author knows that in the midst of all this persecution, their faith is deteriorating. And these, there are those who are thinking of walking away. And so he addresses that in the passage uh, that we read. In fact, he says, if you, we're going to have a look at uh, verse 26 and 27. He says, If we keep, deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That is a big, chunky passage to make you shake. 
What is this willful sin he's talking about? He's talking about this thing called apostasy. And he's been talking about it through Hebrews. This idea of saying, I was following Jesus, but now I'm renouncing that. Hebrews is a warning to say, for those who are considering this apostasy of saying, I'm going to let go of trusting in Jesus and I'm going to go back to following the old ways, trusting in the law, the old covenant. And Hebrews is all about, and even as Ian shared last week, is all about saying, don't do that. Keep trusting in Jesus, which is why uh, Ian reminded us from uh, the first part of chapter 10 last week, trust only in Jesus. Following the law, the old covenant, it doesn't cut it. Jesus has wiped the slate clean. He's covered all of our sin. Last week, we looked at verse 10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is the Hebrew context. Uh, One writer says, the Hebrews, uh, this is uh, Donald Hagner in his commentary, the Hebrews, uh, the, he- the writer to the Hebrews, that who they're talking to, they are in danger of falling away from the truth of Christianity. The firm conviction of the author is that they can but see the true significance of Christ and his work, draw upon the resources he's made available to them, and take advantage of what he's offered them. They will persevere and receive the reward God has for all his people. This is the encouragement to say, keep on going. Don't give up. This is the encouragement for us. If there's any part of you that's saying, oh, you know what, it's just too hard. Maybe I want to give up. So this is where we're going to really lock ourselves in to 19 to 25 because there's so much to wrestle with here. Uh, And as Julianne prayed, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the uh, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he wants to remind us what we have in Christ. In Christ, we have direct access to God. To those who were following the law, they didn't have that. In fact, the only person who had direct access to God was the high priest, once a year during the Festival of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Once a year, as a representative of all the people, the high priest would enter the temple. And in the temple, that's where God's presence was. And he could only go in after doing this ceremonial washing, after uh, doing all these procedures, he could go in and represent the people before God. Any person couldn't just stroll in and be present with God. Uh, I once got to visit the White House. I didn't get anywhere near the West Wing. I saw Obama's dog. That was about as close as I... I I can't just stroll in. But here's the thing. In Christ, we can have direct access to God. He is our priest. He is our mediator. He's done it. There is no other barrier. Now, we know in COVID times what it's like to have a barrier between us, don't we? Uh, We've got the barrier of our face masks, this barrier of distance. We feel it every day, don't we? Oh, I can't get close to you. I can't. We have a barrier that's between us and God by our sin. Jesus on the cross took that barrier away. He's the high priest. He gives us direct access to God. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, if you throw Jesus away, you lose that access to God. 
And he goes on. He says, this is, he's going to go on, he's going to give us three let us statements. And this is where I want us to wrestle. Three things, let us do this. He's going to say, let us. This is let us as individuals, but also us as a community. Let us do these things to hold on to our confidence. And as we look through these verses, wrestle with them. Take them away today. Wrestle with them. Because we've got to keep on as a community, figure these things out. Now, because I'm cheesy, I want to help us remember these three things that are, start with let us. So because I'm cheesy, I've got three. Here, it's the first. I've, I've, I've got my illustration. Lettuce, lettuces, let us. If you want to throw this at me, or if you're at the TV throwing fruit, you're welcome to do that. But go with this. We're going to have a look at these three let us statements. The first one's going to be, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly. And let us spur one another on. That's where we're going, all right? So let's have a look. I'm going to throw that away. There we go. Let's have a look at this first one. Uh, Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here's the first one. We need to be drawing near to God. How are we going? How are we going with that? Taking time to be with God. Is it hard to find time? Absolutely. I don't have three kids and stuff like that. I appreciate it's hard. But the writer here, God is saying, you need to draw near to God. Spend time. Jesus has made it so we can draw near to him. We have that access. But we actually need to spend time in God's presence. How do we do that? With a sincere heart. What's a sincere heart? It's a heart of loyalty. It's a heart that's genuine. It's a heart that comes before God and no agenda, completely open. Here I am. Drawing near to God. Spending time. Are we taking the time to spend time with God? And then it says there, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This is an allusion to when the first covenant uh, was established. And you can read about this uh, in uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The priest uh, who would administer, the, sacri- uh, the priest that would administer that, there was a, a cleansing, sprinkling of blood and a consecrating washing to make that priest worthy uh, to administer that covenant. That's what Jesus has done for us in our hearts. He's actually made it so we can draw near to him. But we actually have to choose to do that. So wherever you are, however that's working in your life, are you taking the time, are you taking the time to spend time drawing near to God? This is the first encouragement. This is the first lettuce. Are we taking the time to draw near to God? Are we coming to God with an open heart, holding nothing back, no agenda, but actually just coming before God with our hearts, giving Him the time, praying, reading His Word? Are we doing that on a daily basis? That's the first lettuce. Here's the second lettuce in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The English translation 
unwavering, unnerving. Uh, I like to think of one of those bucking bronco rides. You ever see those? Has anyone ever done one? Of, have you ever done one of those where you jump on the and the thing and it goes like this? Yeah, and you've got to hang on. And everything is happening. Everything that's going on is forcing you. Will you get pushed off that? And you've got to fight with all your might to hang on to that thing as it gets thrown around. I think this is a great picture. Of, the, of what we need to be doing is holding on to our faith. Because I think, especially in these times, there's so many things that war against us trusting in Christ and war against us in being able to, uh, being able to draw near to God. We need to be active in hanging on. We need to be active in holding unswervingly to our faith. If we're letting go, it gets pretty hard. Are there areas where we're letting go? Are there areas where we're saying, you know, I'm not holding on to, to my faith like I used to? Is this morning an encouragement, are these words an encouragement to fight that fight, to keep holding on? We need to be active in doing that. We need to set aside the time to be drawing near to God and to be holding on to, our, to that hope we profess. Now here's the third one. Let's look at verse 24. The third, let us consider. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the third, let us. Let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, we need encouragement. I need encouragement. We need to encourage each other to continue to draw close to God and hold unswervingly to our faith. We all need that encouragement. Um, What are some ways we can do that? We can invite others into a space of drawing near to God. Do we ask others how they're going? Coming close to God, drawing near to God. This is why we've been talking up huddles, and this afternoon there's an opportunity to do that. Um, But it's also about having honest conversations with each other. Do we ask each other, how are you going in your faith? How are you going trusting in God through these times? How are you going with these areas of your life? Am I giving a chance for my friends, for my family to draw near to God? Am I doing everything I can to spur others on? If it's so important, this is part of holding unswervingly, I need to be encouraging others as well. You might think, you know what, I'm useless, I can't encourage anyone. If you're part of the community, you can. Don't ever think that you can't be part of that. But we need to, we have a role to encourage each other. I'm encouraged this morning, you can't see it here, but there are so many people, there is a number of people within restrictions here in this building. It's encouraging. We spur one another on. We need to keep on doing that. We have to figure out how to do that uh, as we go along uh, because it is hard, obviously, in these COVID times. But look at verse 25. He says, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and increasingly doing that, he says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is our struggle at the moment, to keep on figuring out how do we keep on meeting together. We can do it online, we can do it on the phone, we can do it from a distance, 
But we've got to keep on encouraging each other, keep on spurring one another on, keep on meeting together, keep on taking the time to say, on a Sunday, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to tune into church. I'm going to take part in the service. It's a choice we can make. We need to keep on meeting together. And as we do that, uh, as we've been thinking about this verse this week, I've been speaking to Greg about it. And uh, I invited Greg up just to uh, join me here. He's going to come out now. Because he shared with me this week how this verse has really touched him. Tell us, what did this verse mean for you? Thanks, Langdon. Uh, so some of you may know, in a former life, I was in a band called Blind, and um, we were doing some recording up in Brisbane. And we're working with this producer who I, I really looked up to. He was kind of a great songwriter, really talented, and maybe 10 years older than me. I thought, this, this guy's got the goods. And um, he was a Christian guy. And I was asking him about his church life. And he said, oh, look, I haven't been for a while. Um, you know, I think it's more important that I'm consistent in my character rather than getting to church. And I was young. I was like 19, 20. I was pretty naive and impressionable. I thought, that's a great concept. I might adopt it. And so when you wrestle with those sort of things, you think, this is great. I don't need to go to church all the time. I don't need to connect with people. I just need to be a good guy. And I remember chatting to my older brother at the time, and uh, he said to me, I I told him about my newfound uh, concept, and um, I I was sharing it, and he said, hey, hang on, that's actually not terribly biblical. You should check out Hebrews 10. And so I went away and read it, and it was a gentle kind of uh, rebuke. He just said, hey, I think you should check out this verse. And the Word of God there just convicted me. I said, okay. If I'm a believer, if I think this is true, if I believe in the word of God, I need to do something with these verses. Mm. And so it was a wonderful sense of the Spirit at work showing me the value of gathering as Christians. And um, yeah, I I felt as you were doing the prep for this week, I thought this is a a great verse to reflect on and to to, um, continue to meet together, to continue Mm. to gather. Mm. Thank you, Greg. I love that um, it was the word. It was Greg reading that word that really convicted him. I love that his brother spurred him on, but it was the word that convicted him. And I encourage us, we've got to wrestle with these words. Don't, you can ignore them and say, oh, don't worry about it, but it's encouraging us. Let us not give up meeting together. What does that mean for you and me? What does that mean? And what can we do to encourage others to spur one another on, to point them to God's word, to help them draw near to God, to help others Uh, hold on unswervingly. Are we even turning up? Are we even tuning in to be able to do that? Are we even available, making ourselves available to encourage others? Um, You might be listening to this and going, you know what, I am nowhere near to this thing called apostasy. I am nowhere near walking away from my faith. And you know what, I haven't met anyone yet uh, that I've talked to so far uh, who is up to that point. Um, and I suspect even the, the, lead, the writer to the Hebrews, he even says, as some are in the habit of doing, maybe he's not even think, maybe he's thinking, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even convinced you guys are ready to walk away from your faith, but I can see that you're being worn down from what they were going through. He can see that they were disengaging. He can see that they were less engaged uh, in, these t- in their having quiet times and times with God. He could see they were worn down and frustrated. He could see they were moving away from God. He could see they were moving on a path, a path away from God. Now, this afternoon, we're doing this thing called huddles. 
Imagine you say, you know what, I want to go to the huddle at Taroji Beach Park this afternoon. You say, you know what, I'm going to go and park at North Wollongong and I'm going to take a walk there. And if you want to get to Taroji Beach Park, you've got to go north. You've got to jump on that bike track, walk along, past the Innovation Campus, Puckies, you know, all up through Fairy Meadow. Eventually, you'll get to Taroji Beach Park. But imagine, instead of when you park at North Wollongong and walking north along the track, you start walking on the track south, past diggies, past round the harbour. Are you going to get to Taroji Beach Park? No, because you're on a different path. If you get on a path, you're going to go where that path takes you. And the question is, how, what path are we putting ourselves on? Are we hanging on to these three let us statements? Are we hanging on to spending time uh, devoting ourselves to God? Are we hanging on to holding unswervingly? Are we hanging on to spurring one another on? Are we on a path that's leading to where we want to go? Because if I say, you know, I want to be strong in God, I want to grow in my faith, I want to um, be stronger, and yet there, there's these behaviours are putting us on a path to somewhere else, where do you think you're going to end up? Now, we're so thankful because we have a Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter which path we're on. He can stop us in our tracks, put us on the right path. But we've got to keep engaging with him. We've got to keep on drawing close to, to God. We've got to keep on holding unswervingly to our faith. We've got to keep on spurring one another on. Andy Stanley says, Direction, not intention, determines our path. Or as Proverbs says, The prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Which path are you on? Is there behaviours, is there things that are moving you in a space where you're moving further away from God? The writer to the Hebrews gives us three wonderful things that we can do to stay on the path, to keep growing, to keep trusting in God. He encourages us to, with these three letter statements. Here they are again. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we have and let us spur one another on. In some ways, following God is a more hard or an unknown path. It's living on a path in some ways you can't see where it's going. But in other ways, it's a path that we know exactly where it's going. In verse 36, the writer says, You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. And I can't wait for Hebrews 11 next week. I'll finish off with this verse. He says in verse 39, He reminds us who we are. Remember, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This passage is a great warning to us, but man, it is a great encouragement. Stay on the path. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess and let us spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for these words of Hebrews that were an encouragement almost 2000, over 2,000 years ago to them, but they're an encouragement to us. Father, I pray this week you would help each and every person in our congregation wrestle with these words. What does it mean? Help us, Lord, to draw close to you. Help us, Lord, to hold unswervingly to our faith. And I pray for all the resources, everything you give us to do that. And Lord, help us to think about how we can spur one another on 
to love and good deeds, to not give up meeting together. Help us to know how to do that. Show us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.